Blog Talk Radio. I have an emergency. What is your location? Welcome to the war. I'm Margie. And I'm Jerry. And let's pray. Father God, we thank you for this very beautiful day. We thank you that you are an awesome God. You are the one true God. And that there are no other gods before you, Lord God. We thank you for giving us divine protection as we cover this very serious topic, this spread of immorality and destruction upon the face of the earth, Lord God, that has been as old as the ancient things and as current as the news today. So, Father, I pray that your will be done, O God, on earth and, and through us as it's being done and declared in heaven, and that you tuck each one of us who listens, those who are going to listen later, into the safety of the palm of your hand, that we'll feel your peace and sense your presence and hear your voice, Father. We thank you again for the blood of Jesus, for your divine salvation, that you have won the victory, the battle. You have secured us. We are yours, and that you've given us power over all the power of the enemy. Father God, power to bind, power to to, uh, loose, and power to forgive. I thank you also for your promise that no weapon formed against us will prosper. So we're calling for that divine covering and protection over these, these airwaves, Father God, over the Internet, over our connections, over our people, our families, those who work for us, pray for us, love us, and have come to us for help, cover and keep us, Lord God, in our words and conversations, our relationships, our communications, and our thoughts, that they cannot be twisted against us. They cannot be perverted. They cannot be misunderstood, that those filters of twisting and perversion that work between people and their loved ones would be deleted by the blood of Jesus, and that you could protect us in our health and safety and our traveling, our vehicles, our finances, and our property. For we do not understand the intensity of the importance of that protection in the war that we're in, Father, because we are only so small to understand parts of it. So give us wisdom now, eyes to see, ears to hear, and heart to absorb, and understand this spirit of Jezebel and the web and the entanglements that she has put around your people, Father God. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Boy, we've we've got one we're diving into today that's very, very interesting, and a lot of people are not aware of this. Mm, Jezebel. And uh, we're going to mm-hmm. dig into it. And yeah. The spirit of Jezebel. What yeah. in the world is this all about? Well, first of all, yes, I have to explain. I'm a little talked out today we spent the last three days at a pagan festival and speaking with a lot of people working in the rain and doing a lot of exhausting exhilarating things and actually the last week or so has been such a prelude to what we're going to be talking about today uh bringing back into the real reality of our world anyway the struggles that people have had with jezebel and just before we you know dive into the scriptures and the the the, the you know descriptive lists of what Jezebel looks like, honey. I'd just like to spend a minute to kind of explain what people might be looking for in their own life um, and how this Jezebel would operate in in, in pretty unsuspecting places. Um, you know, just in, in various, you know, for example, you may see these in, in your own life, in, in your marriage. You may see a Jezebel attacking your marriage, trying to take out your spouse. You may see the Jezebel attacking you at work, um, trying to take out your position, 
um, call you into trouble. You may see your Jeze- the Je- a Jezebel spirit working in your child's softball team. You may see the Jezebel working in um, the church, in, in, in attacking the leadership of the church, um, in, in even situations where people are trapped into, uh, you know, being set up, blackmailed, betrayed. Um, can you think of any, honey? I can just, I can name so many that, um, you know, just personal lives, just people who are wanting your position, who are jealous. I know people who have actually, the Jezebel makes them sick. That spirit gets into their blood. They have blood cancers. They have diseases. They have um, aplastic anemia. They have jealousy, rottenness in their bones. It takes, it can go into your health. It can go into your uh, every every place you can you you are. And so this is a spirit. It is a an evil spirit that works through through people through the personalities of people. Well, and it works through in it best in an atmosphere of idolatry. Yes. And Baal. Uh, and back in the, we're going to be looking at the Old Testament. We might have to take a couple of shows to get through all this, and probably then won't even have but scratch the surface. But um, that you know, there's always a context. There's always a a medium or a, 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 an atmosphere in which a spirit um, does best. And for Jezebel, her counterpart is idolatry, Baal, uh, Baal worship. Uh, and that's what this country is full of. It's full of idolatry. And that goes, you know, even at the, at the pagan festivals, there's such a discussion about the many gods um, and, and who's the one true God. And I don't need a God. I don't believe in heaven. I don't believe in hell. I, I don't believe in this and that and the other thing. And so you're setting up this this atmosphere for Jezebel to yeah, work well, well in. Yes, we're we're certainly in this atmosphere in our in our day and age. And uh, uh, should we look at the background? Yeah, like let's that? let's let's go for that. I, if you guys want to follow on along with us, you can start in First Kings, um, starting with chapter uh, sixteen, and that just begins to give a little introduction. That's the first time. We hear the word or the name Jezebel and her her parentage, her lineage. So go to First Kings chapter sixteen, verse thirty-one, and yeah, we're going to take it from actually, there. Actually, uh, back it up a little bit to verse uh, twenty-nine, mm-hmm. and uh, through the end of the uh, well, through verse thirty-three, particularly. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, we'll just go ahead and read this. Um, Beginning with verse 29, in the 38th year of Asa, king of Judah, Ahab, the son of Omri, became king over Israel. And Ahab, the son of Omri, reigned over Israel in Samaria 22 years. Now Ahab, the son of Omri, did evil in the sight of the Lord more than were all before him. Now, we can read that same thing about Mm -hmm. his father. Yeah. Uh, in in chapter sixteen, verse twenty-five, mm-hmm. Omri did evil in the eyes of the Lord, and did worse than all who were before him. So it's so, getting progressive. So it's a progressive mm-hmm. uh, evil that has come from father to son, and it came to pass, verse thirty-one of First uh, Kings sixteen. As though it had been a trivial thing for him to walk in the sins of Jeroboam, the son of Nebat. So this goes way back Mm -hmm. even past Omri, that he took as wife Jezebel, the daughter of Ethbel, or Baal. uh, Ethbel, yeah. Ethbel. We pronounce it Baal. A lot of times it's actually kind of like Baal. But we'll call it Baal because a lot of what people are familiar with. The king of the Sidonians. 
Who were the Phoenicians? Phoenicians, mm-hmm. Tyre and Sidon. We've heard about those cities. Mm-hmm. And he went and served Baal and worshipped him. So this is a king of Israel, king of God's people, who yeah. was worshipping Baal. Now remember, just for background. And he built the temple in Samaria. He makes a wooden mm-hmm. image and did more to provoke. Here it is again. Mm-hmm. Did more to provoke the Lord God of Israel to anger than all the kings of Israel who were before him. Now remember, just a little geography here. Judah and Israel were separate tribes at this point in time. They had been divided at yes. that point after David, uh, after Solomon had died, and his sons, his son divided the kingdom basically. But so, and Samaria is the uh, Damascus and Samaria. Basically, the, the Samaria king was the capital, of, right, of, of Israel, of the kingdom of Israel, and that's kingdom. where yeah. uh, Ahab's kingship or rulership was. Okay. Mm-hmm. So, so. He marries uh, Jezebel, who is a daughter of King Ethbaal or Ethbaal of the Sidonians. Now, he was a priest king, and he was a priest and a king, and mm-hmm. he was like the the head guy who was involved in the worship of Baal or Baal, mm-hmm. which was a, a, a male deity of power and sexuality mm-hmm. or, or fertility. Baal means master, possessor, or it can also mean husband. Or lord. Or lord. Mm -hmm. It's interesting, too, Marjorie, that in uh, Hosea chapter 2, verse 16, God is referred to um, as the husband of Israel. Mm -hmm. So it's interesting where you've got a true husband of Israel, Mm -hmm. the Lord God, Jehovah. That's the problem here. Yahweh and... Uh Counterfeit. It's, it's uh, always a counterfeit. Everything true God has, there's a counterfeit. So, so what Ahab does, he builds a temple in. So, Ethbaal means with Baal. So he was with Baal. That was that's what his name means. He was he was a, a priest actually of this idolatrous deity that Jerry has just described, and it was um, there as a set in the midst of Israel to pervert the people, and so Jezebel introduces this corruption through her marriage to Ahab. Yeah, and, and of course she is really a dyed-in-the-wool idolater. She's a dyed-in-the-wool snake, S-N-A-K-E, <laughs> snake. <laughs> but the thing is, too, it's, it's God said, you know, don't intermarry with these heathen mm-hmm. peoples. And Ahab, the king, I mean, you'd think the king, the leader of God's people, should uh, should know better uh, but he he did not, and one of the things that they did a lot of times what happens is is King uh, Amri and and some of the other kings at that time they were making alliances mm-hmm. with other pagan nations for protection because they had a perceived threat from another nation, right, uh, right, Syria or whoever it was, and so with rather than trusting the Lord God, they would make alliances with the pagan nations, and mm-hmm. part of the exchange on the alliances. Was the was Jezebel? Uh, oh, she was part of an exchange she, deal, she, huh? She was part of the deal. Ooh. She was, uh, yeah. Bring a mi- she, bring she into was, the midst of you a snake, huh? Yeah. Well, let's yeah. yeah. So we got the issues. We got the setup. We got the issue. here's the problem: crisis, and that's what witchcraft really is. You have a, a and, and you're talking about these nations having a, a, a threat, a crisis, a problem, um, threat of war. You need power. And so the alliances people are forming 
you either make your power alliance with God and come in under his protection, or you're going to make your power alliance with the things of the world. And that's what witchcraft is. It is the other power source. Mm-hmm. And it can look like money, position, favor. Uh, but with, with that, when you use the devil's power supply, you pay the, a light bill to the devil. Mm-hmm. And you never get done paying it. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So there we have a an extremely unholy alliance mm-hmm. that is just bringing about uh, great destruction, as we'll see down the line. So so what Ahab does is he builds a temple and an altar for Baal in Samaria. And Ahab sets up an uh, Asherah, which is a female goddess of fertility, uh, it's yes. like a, a love and war pole. It's what it was called. It's hmm. like a love and war pole that was set up an idol representing yeah. this goddess Asherah, which uh, was closely allied with Baal. Now, Baal or Baal, uh, there were they were together. They were yeah, like counterparts. They were, t- they were the like thing. yeah. But Baal, each when Israel first came into the land of Canaan, God said, you know, destroy their images. Right. Tear down their idols. Make no graven images, make, second commandment. Yeah, make yeah. no alliances with them. But uh, what happened when they came in is that um, they came into this land. They found that each area, uh, each area of the land of Canaan had its own God. Mm, just like had its other own, countries, yeah. its own like a territorial spirit mm-hmm, exactly. that was over that. So there were different local Baal gods. There was the Baal Peor, for example, as we read about. Yeah, in, uh, means in, god in, of, of the god of her, the god of Peor, the god of that area. Yeah. So each area or has the its lord own of that god. area. And really, it's the same thing today. Yeah, there's, there's territorial different spirit. territorial spirits are all over different um, communities, and just houses, to, can I, areas. And just to say that, you know, with this hierarchy or this arrangement or strategy of spiritual powers, demonic powers, um, diabolical powers, we have that same. It's it's a parallel to the local governments, the city governments, the townships, the, you know, the counties, the, the state, the region, the, you know, the nation, these various things. And so we have a hierarchy of gods and there is, I suppose you could say, even some fighting among them for power position to um, take one another out. But this God of Je- the spirit of Jezebel, prevailing spirit, it, it, she doesn't just have one territory. She has an assignment. It's not like, you know, the the, the territorial spirit over, uh, you know, London or something. This is a, a power, just like there are atmospheres that are set. Jezebel sets an atmosphere. Um, homosexuality sets an atmosphere. These right. are powers. Exactly. And and then there was an atmosphere that that Jezebel grew up in and then she bought it brought it specifically into Israel. Now the worship of Baal and Ashtoreth included uh temple prostitution. That's men, okay, men, perversion, men, yeah, yeah, harlotry, sex, sexual boredom. perversion mm-hmm. to raise money for religious activities Isn't in the that, temple. No, can I say the something right there? Combination of religion <laughs> and sexual perversion, and they still go married? together, don't they? Absolutely. They're married. Oh, absolutely. And isn't that interesting? The, 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 the prostitution was to raise money for religion. Yes. And today, you've seen it, I've seen it a hundred times, if not more, in doing generational histories. So kids or people will come through these experiences where they were in a church where the deacon was the one sexually abusing 
uh, them or someone else. So you have, but the covering of religion, and you'll see that in the story of Jezebel as well. The covering of religion conceals the true identity of the sexual seduction, the perversion, the enticement, the entrapment, the allurement, and that's called. That's also part of the. Uh, part of the Jezebel is the spirit of divination, deception. It's mm-hmm. bewitching. Mm-hmm. It's it's uh, seducing, enticing, um, creating almost like a spell or an enchantment. And 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 you'll see in the story of Jezebel too. She she in the midst of all her evilness, she calls a fast. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so but, but, go ahead, you know, Again, there was also a child sacrifice was a big part of the uh, Baal worship. So today that child sacrifice is abortion. Yes. So yeah. there's a lot of shedding. There needs to be a lot of blood given. Human blood needs to be given for these demons' power to continue to... They get, there's, there's life in the blood, human blood, because we're made in the image of God. So for the demons to have power, they need our, they need our blood, sweat, and tears. They need to consume us. And we offer them our children, oftentimes not knowing or thinking that we're doing anything of the sort. And in the olden days, they actually took the child in front of everybody as part of a public ceremony and killed the child. Mm-hmm. Nowadays, we do that in secret, or some of the satanic ritualistic cults do it secretly, of course, because it would be uh, frowned upon and, and um, they would get in trouble, supposedly. And so what happens is um, Jezebel... So that's fertilizing the ground for this spirit to gain momentum. Yeah, right. And and she had over 450 prophets... Of her own. Of her own that were proclaiming no, her stuff. They were the prophetesses of Ashtoreth, and there were 400. There were actually there were 850 eight, prophets total. 450 prophets of Baal or Baal and, and 400 prophetesses... So Ashtoreth. that's 850 prophets yeah. and prophetesses yeah. for Ashtoreth and Baal. Mm-hmm. That were, you know what I was thinking? Those prophetesses of Ashtoreth, those were like the psychics, mm-hmm. today's psychics. So she, during this huge famine, there was a famine going on because Elijah had stopped the rain. God had told him to stop the rain. So for three and a half years in Israel, there was no rain. And so the king, uh, Nahab, and I'm... Uh, um, I'm sorry, Jezebel and, and Ahab were uh, protecting these these wicked prophets, prophets. and prophetesses. Uh-huh. And there was one good guy in the... God had one guy. That was Elijah. One man stood up and, uh, you know, some of us remember the story on Mount Carmel. Actually, there were two good guys because Ob- Obadiah was protecting yeah, some was, 100 was, good prophets. He was protecting the... Yeah, the, the good, in caves, the all these prophets. Yeah. Now, hiding in caves. There's a dramatic story about um, uh, in First Kings 18 about you know who is God. The people didn't know who God was anymore. Yeah, he says it was uh, up for how grabs. How long mm-hmm. uh, will you halt? Yeah, on Mount Carmel, mm-hmm. he says, "How long will you falter between two opinions? Who is God?" What verse are you reading, honey? In First Kings 18:21. Okay. Okay. If the Lord is God, follow Him. Mm-hmm. If but if Baal, then follow Him. But okay. the people answered Him not in a word. So they were word. stupefied. They didn't know anymore. And you know, it was like 
faltering between that's where we are today in America. Exactly. That's why exactly. Jezebel is also, by the way, not just in your baseball team and in your workplace and in your church. It's also in the government. Um, and once you get an eye to see this, a spiritual eye to understand, you will see it just about, I mean, everywhere. It's not that we're going to be paranoid about this thing, but you don't have to be paranoid. She's pretty much, so the, the nation was teetering between which God, two opinions, um, and, and God, the one you got, had been silent, obviously, for quite a while. And the thing that was happening was the drought, and that wasn't making God too popular either. Mm-hmm. So the people and, were yeah. following their leaders because the leaders were giving them favor and, in some cases, even providing food for them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so it really, it was kind of God slapped in the face of Baal. If Baal is a god of fertility, and then you've got drought, Ah, so smacks him right in the head. He, he was it? kind of smacking him on that, and then, then what they happened? You know the story where they, they had the prophets of Baal cried out on this altar, and notice they cut themselves with knives and they jumped on the altar. They were going insane, the cutting, uh, bloodletting again, blood, giving their human blood for these this god to empower him to rise up and light the fire under their sacrifice. Yeah, and. The God, the, well, I just said, let the God who answers by fire, let him be God. He mm-hmm. is the He is God, and and the story is, yeah, they leaped about and they made all this carrying on, and you know that goes on and on. It says they cut themselves with lances and yeah. knives, yeah, until the blood gushed out on them. And and it was so in in First Kings eighteen twenty nine, when midday was passed, that they prophesied until the time of the offering of the evening sacrifice. Now, this is talking about, you got 450 prophets in here. Uh, screaming, chanting. Screaming, but there Freaking. was no voice, no one answered, no one paid attention. And Elijah said to all the people, come near to me. So all the people came near to him, and he repaired the altar of the Lord that was broken down. Wow. See, that's the first step to, I mean, I know we're going to get to the specifics, guys, but the first step really to getting God in your life is to repair the altar, the original, initial, divine creation that you are. You are the temple-dwelling place of the Most High God that's been torn down or infested by demonic spirits, enticements, allurements. Um, the God of this world has so invaded your mind and our, our thoughts, our souls, with the, the idolatry, the, the, the concepts of the world, the principles of the world, that we need to rebuild the altars of holiness and yeah. dedication to the Lord God. Well, let's just read through this, and this is again, this is very, you know, foundational. So hang with us here, because we're we're going to uh, yeah. get into the specifics of this Jezebel here. But Elijah took verse thirty-one, took twelve stones according to the number of the tribes of the sons of Jacob, to whom the word of the Lord had come, saying, "Israel shall be your name." Then with re-identifying them as to re- who they really were, as the people, of restoring God. their identity. Yes, exactly, mm-hmm. exactly. Then with the stones he built an altar in the name of the Lord, not in the name of Baal. He made a trench around the altar large enough to hold two seahs of seed. He put the wood in order, cut the bull in pieces, laid it on the wood. All by himself. This is a lot yeah, of work. That's a lot of work. Well, he's sweating it about this time. Uh, fill four water pots with water. Wow. Got a, got a little help on that one. Yeah, right. This is, this is not charcoal lighter fluid. This is water. Yes. Fill four water pots with water. And pour it on the burnt sacrifice. So there could be no wood. mistake. 
but uh, no mistake. Yeah, there and was so, there was no uh, uh, what do you call these coincidence? Logs? No, these little logs that you put in the fireplace. Yeah, there's you know no starter logs in there or anything. Verse 34, then he said, do it a second time. Pour more water on. They did it a second time. Do it a third time. They're just soaking this thing. Verse 35, so the water ran all around the altar, and he also filled the trench with water and came to pass at the time of the offering of the evening sacrifice. Now, this has basically been going on like all day, that Elijah the prophet came near and said, Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, let it be known this day that you are the God in Israel and that I am your servant and that I have done all these things at your word. Hear me, O Lord, hear me, that this people may know that you are the Lord God and that you have turned again their hearts, their, you have turned their hearts back to you again. Then the fire of the Lord fell and consumed the burnt sacrifice and the wood and the stones and the dust and it licked up the water that was in the trench. That is the fire of the Lord. It's a hot fire, man. Wow. That is our like Lord no... Is a consuming, our God is a consuming there you go. fire. There you go. Then when the... He burns the, up his enemies all around him. Yeah. Yeah. And when all the people saw it, they fell on their faces, and they said, The Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is God. And Elijah said to them, Seize the prophets of Baal. Do not let one of them escape. So they seized them, and Elijah brought them down to the book Kishon and executed them there. So the people actually entered into the help of that final annihilation and that's this is just how desperate and and serious this is that you have to get to this first of all going back to you uh, bow your knee before the most high God, be reestablished in your identity, declare that the Lord the one true God is God and then take the action the Lord God requires of you. Now in many cases um, we won't be asked to maybe (laughs) you know, um, seize someone or whatever, but God is showing here a picture, a prophetic demonstration of how this thing works. Now, but that does, Jezebel, however, was not off the scene. Um, She was not deterred by this great... In chapter 19, verse 1, so Ahab told Jezebel, so evidently she wasn't there that day on Mount Carmel, um, all that Elijah had done and how he had executed all the prophets with the sword. And Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah. Now remember, Elijah is the prophet, saying to him, Let the gods do to me, do to me, and more also, if I do not make your life as the life of one of them by tomorrow about this time. So she's threatening him to kill him, to chase him, to destroy him. And when he saw when he saw that or heard that, he rose and ran from his for his life and went to Beersheba, with, which belongs to Judah. So he took off and went to the other country and so, left his servant there. And so part of the Jezebel spirit is Jezebel, the Jezebel spirit hates the, prophets, the true prophets of God. The pro- and what are the prophets? What's the prophet of God? The ones who, who release the word of the Lord, the mm-hmm. ones who speak yeah. for God, the one true living God. And I wouldn't just say it's the prophets. I believe in, in, you know, even um, we were talking, well, maybe we were, a couple of weeks ago about bullying and little kids bullying one another even in school. I believe that's also part of the Jezebel spirit because you're, you're going after the little godly ones, the one who, where Jesus dwells in their heart and their life and the, the, the ones who are filled with the Antichrist spirit or hatred of God or confusion um, or tormented or used 
a lot of these children don't know that they are actually being used by the enemy. So you have another attack. You may not consider yourself a prophet of God, but you may be in a position that God has put you in, whether it's at work, in your corporation, uh, in your your own in your business, um, and th- there may be you are standing there for God. You're not maybe you know calling a lot of attention to yourself, but you are the man or woman or child of God in that place. So you become the target of this Jezebel spirit who's sent to clean out, get rid of the prophets of God, mm-hmm. those who speak and stand for God. And there are people that do not realize that they're being controlled by a Jezebel spirit. Um, you know, maybe, I don't know, what, what what would you say opens a person up to a Jezebel uh, spirit? Always the same thing. It's always fear it's and fear. insecurity. And But the fear and insecurity is masked. Um, and it does, you don't even, you wouldn't think of yourself as fearful. You're just thinking of your, but that's what it is. It's either fear or love that motivates the human being. And so you're opening yourself up to a fear uh, that that creates an insecurity. And then through that insecurity, you're going to pursue what you believe or what the devil is trying to tell you is what will secure or protect or uh, benefit your life or give you an advantage. And so we become, through that fear and insecurity, we become um, uh, vulnerable to the enemy's power source. Again, going back to the witchcraft equals power, control, manipulation. So we see the spirit of Jezebel. You mentioned earlier, we see it in uh, workplaces, in marriages, in government, mm-hmm. yeah. and in the churches. Well, one of the things, you know, before we get into the actual scriptures on the Jezebel herself, the story of what she did to Naboth, is that... The Jezebel spirit also has another spirit that works with her, and I would call him the spirit of um, uh, seduction, uh, um, seduction, stupor, um, mesmerizing, enchanting, so that people who are operating under the Jezebel spirit shoot their victims, bite their victims, sting their victims with a spirit of numbness, so that if you are being attacked by a Jezebel, you will not necessarily know it. Or if she wants to pull you into her web, you will definitely, um, if you want to really read something very interesting, that the, the Bible is very clear on that. It's the seductress, the harlot, in Proverbs um, chapter 7. Read that, um, and you'll find out some really shocking things that this seductress does. We will probably get to that next week. Um, uh, but let's go back to the, the Jezebel. She, the spirit of witchcraft and Jezebel are very parallel. I am not sure. And somebody can maybe tell me. By the way, our number is 347-215-8051. 347-215-8051. If you have a question or a comment. Um, but uh, the witchcraft and Jezebel go together. Because witchcraft is about power. Jezebel is like an operative under the council of witchcraft. If witchcraft is a general category. Uh, but Jezebel uses all kinds of opportunities and and and. Uh, operates in perversion, in religion, works with rejection, insecurity, lying, bribery, uh, betrayal is a big one. Uh, yes. Um, so, Manipu- so it's n- Manipulation, mind control. Mind control. And really, spells. what happens is this. The Stupors. Jezebel, if mm-hmm. you analyze the, the, and op- pride. the way Jezebel operated, mm-hmm. the, the spirit that which, uh, through which she operated, Mm-hmm. That that's where you're going to see all these kind of characteristics. Right. 
of this. That's why we call it the spirit of Jezebel, because it's a a manifestation of these things as you study uh, Jezebel's life. There's even a reference in Revelation chapter 2 that we we will look at possibly uh, next time. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so going back for just a second, in Kings, uh, 1 Kings 18, 4, Jezebel had massacred the prophets. That was her goal. That is the goal of the spirit in the world today. The Jezebel spirit's first primary goal is to, again, remove, uh, cause to be ineffective, uh, massacre, delete the prophets of God. The, and, and because our spiritual fabric has been so rotten or rotting away, because in this nation, in this world, the fear of God has been removed and we're substituting all kinds of, like we said, worship of the Baals, the gods, the God of this world. This is this age that we're in. This is the age of um, a hatred against God. This is why we're going to be, we're moving towards the battle of Armageddon, which is the ultimate battle between God and Satan, uh, fought on the human on the soil of Israel mm-hmm. with human beings. And so, um, but we see that Jezebel supported the evil, the, the evil prophets, um, and. As we were um, looking earlier, now let's go back into 19. So she threatens Elijah. Elijah goes into uh, uh, a a fear. She threatens to attack him, access, and she has access to all the powers that be, and they can make even a a grown man afraid. Elijah ran for his life, it says in verse 3 of 19. Um, Well, it's interesting where... uh, Elijah is courageously standing alone right. against these 400. He's a human being. He's outnumbered 850 to 1. Or more. Or more, yeah. So he's standing there uh, confronting the prophets of Baal, boldly proclaiming, trusting God. God, mm-hmm. God you're going to answer by fire. Uh, let's see. This would have been, if this wouldn't have worked, if God wouldn't have showed up, He'd have been a dead man, absolutely. Really, really quickly. But God comes down, proves himself powerfully, powerfully. But, what happens, though, Jezebel, though, because of that, she that spirit is is reinforced. Raging it, up within it, it's her. It's raging more mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. than ever. You know, it's, it's, it's rather than being quenched or quelled, mm-hmm. it's, it's well, accented. Jezebel has two faces, you guys. Jezebel will look sweet, flattering, kind, smiley, puts makeup on, looks a pleasant, seducing. In, 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 you know, we'll get to those characteristics in a minute. But she's very, very sweet and very uh, accommodating. But the second, the minute that you turn on her and, and she is exposed, she will become look a out. ravenous, look rabid out. dog. Look out. But, yeah. but to see how powerful it is, if you contrast... Elijah is courageously standing against, mm-hmm. you know, one man against those... 850 people. 850 false prophets. demonized prophets. Who are... But then after that, one woman yeah. sends a threatening note, and he runs yeah. a day's journey away. So, so we, The spirit of fear comes after him, the spirit mm-hmm. of intimidation, fear, threats. Amen. This is what comes through the spirit of Jezebel, but... Isn't that something that it's so powerful that it got to 
this man of God. Who had just come down off Mount Carmel with an awesome, With an incredible, awesome, awesome victory, mm-hmm. just classic victory. But here's the deal. I mean, I appreciate what you're saying because that's exactly what happened. Um, so in verse 4, the um, we're going to see now how that spirit of Jezebel, which is so intimidating to the point where it caused Elijah, the great prophet of God, to run for his life. But how God shows Elijah his care for him in the midst of this depression, this anxiety, this running for his life, and how that ultimately how he was delivered. Yeah, part of it, too, is is he could have been just exhausted. Well, he was. You know, I mean, he that was that was a very, very stressful time, just doing what yeah. he did physically with the altar, mm-hmm. plus the, the spiritual opposition. Can you imagine how the demonic powers were arrayed against him oh, in boy. that day? Oh, boy. So he's probably very exhausted. He's had this victory, but in that in that time of, of, of um, physical Expend- and emotional yeah. weakness all that energy. and vulnerability, mm-hmm. that's the threat comes. Just to try so to here's what he says out. in verse four, nineteen four. But he he but he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness. He left his messenger or his servant behind, and he went a further a day's journey into the wilderness and came and sat down under a broom tree and he prayed that he might die, and said, "It is enough now, Lord, take my life, for I am no better than my father's." He's coming to a, an, an emptying. He's coming to a place where God wants him to go to. He's coming to a place of not at all, not even the tiniest, teeniest bit, relying upon what happened yesterday, the greatness of it. Oh, I'm the great Elijah. You know, there was no pride. There was no, he could not have a stitch of pride in him or what God was about to do would not work. And so he was probably, you could say, well, you know, we go on to say he was at the brink of self-pity or bitterness. And here's where, here's where it gets kind of tricky. Um, People who have been attacked with the spirit of witchcraft, Jezebel, married to Jezebel, whatever they did. Um, or I, I, It's just amazing, the stories I've heard lately. I don't want to betray the people who I've talked to, but um, there's, 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 a, there's, a spirit of, there's a spirit of, you know, you feel like, okay, i got to do the will of God. I'm, you know, God did a great thing for me, and now here I am in this place where, why? What's this, why is this happening? We, we have a temptation now to become very bitter against God, as Elijah is here. Uh, you know, I've done all this stuff. Um, God says here, he sends an angel to feed him, arise and eat. He looked at the, he ate the bread and went back to sleep. Uh, then God sent him a, a second time, arise and eat, the journey is long. So God gives him this miracle angel food cake to keep him going 40 days without having to eat or drink. So the strength of the Lord is in, still with Elijah. All, it's still with you, even though you may think, I'm bumbling around in this wilderness. I have nowhere to go. I have no place. I don't even know where Jezebel is going to show up next. She's got spies everywhere. I am not safe, and I'm go- I can't do this. And so people have left their places of calling. Pastors have fled the ministry um, because they ran into Jezebel's in the church. And then they feel bad and guilty. Here's the trick. The devil gets you to feel guilty for abandoning your position. And then that spirit of guilt makes you believe that God is mad at you because you don't really know who God is and God's totally for you and he knew this was going to happen. So you feel guilty then the devil is permitted to bring sickness and disease upon you. So a lot of the, a lot of the prophets of God, the pastors of God, the people who have been bitten, bitten by this serpent Jezebel fled their positions and now 
the devil comes back and flips it around and makes you feel guilty for leaving your position. And now the devil is because you've come into an agreement with, I'm bad, I'm guilty, God's mad at me, I did something wrong, I shouldn't have, da-da-da, whatever. Mm-hmm. The devil brings a spirit of guilt because it was my responsibility. Now, remember that word's not in the Bible. But anyway, so the devil gets you hooked into another agreement that I am bad, guilty, and deserve to be punished. And so then, of course, you get sick and you get blood diseases and you get tumors and you get uh, aplastic anemia because the curses are coming on you. And you've agreed with them by saying, I'm bad, I'm guilty, and it's my fault. This is not helping your cause and this is not necessary because the Lord God is good and he knows what's going to happen to you. So anyway, so Elijah could have gotten really bitter at this point. I'm sure there was a temptation to not only, number one, feel sorry for himself, because mm-hmm. why me, God? But the bitterness, I did all this for you, God, and now look at Look at the situation I'm in. How does this look good for me or you? In the instance you mentioned, uh, uh, Marjorie, about you know, pastors and churches and so forth, a lot of times, it, I would say, my, based on my observation, in most cases, pastors are not aware of this Jezebel spirit. They see it as you know, right. people or trouble, or they see it as their own failure. They don't recognize well, what's going on under the And under to the flip service. it around, the Jezebel can also be in the pastor. Doesn't oh, it? yeah. And then he's causing spiritual abuse on the people, controlling them, making them feel like they owe their allegiance to him. They can't right. leave his church. They have to do what they're told. And so this Jezebel can pop up just anywhere. Yeah, and in and, and, and the case of pastors, it can be, you know, spiritual abuse and it's a misuse of authority and and a lot of pastors that's right. will say a perversion that, or corruption yeah and it, they use a scripture don't touch god's anointed and they use that scripture to, to uh, hold people uh, hostage uh, to hold people hostage mm-hmm. and it's, so there's a matter of leadership and authority mm-hmm. uh, but you know peter said don't be uh lords over god's heritage mm-hmm. But be examples to the flock. And you know, we what? have to recognize the authority. But 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 see again, there's the counterfeit authority, which is the right. the manipulation of the people and of the God. control mm-hmm. and and the abuse that comes as a result. Now, see, this is how it works. It's so tricky. So the temptation to become bitter, same temptation Job had when you're going through a hard time. Uh, Hebrews chapter twelve, a good place for you to read. The, to endure the trial, the testing, the chastening of the Lord. A lot of our trials are very, very long. Elijah was in this wilderness place, and um, he was he went 40 days in the strength of that. So 40 days is a long time to be in that place of weakness and fear, anxiety, and he feels sorry for himself. And then he finally got, in verse 9, to a cave, and he spent the night there in that place. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him and said, Elijah, what are you doing here? I mean, isn't that kind of funny? What are you, God said to Elijah, what are you doing here? Mm-hmm. Um, it's good. Look at this, Elijah. Then he said, I have been very zealous for the Lord God of hosts, for the children of Israel have forsaken your covenants, torn down your altars, and killed your prophets with the sword. I alone am left, and they seek to take my life. So he's giving God, he's complaining to God. He's, he's kind of pouring it all out here. I'm the only one left. So you're feeling alone. You're feeling abandoned. You've done a, the work of God. You've tried to stand up for goodness, righteousness, truth, mercy uh, in your workplace. You've tried to you know, hold the line, not fellowship with the, the, un, uh, the corrupt works of darkness, not going to their parties, not drinking with them, not, not covering for the lying and the cheating and the, how they're, they're you know, you know, cheating on their time cards or 
or they're stealing out from the boss, you're not doing that, and because you're not doing that, you're a threat to them. So you're standing for the covenants, the right things. Then God said, go out and stand on the mount before me or before the Lord. And behold, the Lord passed by, and that's where we get that scripture to understand the revelation of knowing God and the voice of God. And there was a great strong wind, and it tore up into the mountain and broke the rocks in pieces before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind, and after that, the wind, there was an earthquake. And the Lord was not in the earthquake, and then there was a fire. These All these powerful things that you are looking for as a way to prove that God is there, earthquakes, fire, wind, feelings, uh, you know, you know, big gatherings, uh, big emotional uh, expressions of of revival or whatever they might be, and God's not there. And then after that, um, there was a still small voice. So it was that Elijah, when he heard it, that he wrapped his face in his mantle and went out and stood at the entrance of the cave. And suddenly a voice came to him and said, "What are you doing here?" Same thing. He said, I have been very zealous for the Lord of hosts because of the children of Israel forsaking your covenants. Very same answer. They tore down your um, altars and killed your prophets. I alone am left. Then God said to him, in other words, God's not buying into his poor me self-pity. He says, go return on your way to the wilderness of Damascus. He's sending him right back to Ahab, actually. And when you arrive, anoint Hazel as king of over Syria. And he's he's given him some jobs to and, and, and anoint Jehu the son of Nimshah. Now, it's interesting that Jehu, ultimately, the one that Elijah was told to anoint, was going to be the one that killed Jezebel, basically. Mm-hmm. So he didn't know. You don't always know what God's little <laughs> stupid thing God's having you me. Maybe you don't think has any relation to your real problem is actually the solution to your problem. Mm-hmm. And so, you, so but, Eli, but Elijah did it, um, and he went off and did exactly what the Lord said. He kind of got over his pouting spell, and he realized, and this is the point, this whole thing was to demonstrate to Elijah humility and knowing the still small voice of the Lord, that God is powerful in the small voice as much as he is in the big demonstration of fire coming down and licking up the water in the trenches. Mm -hmm. So you and I are led, that same still small comforting voice tells you, you are not alone. Don't buy into, I'm alone, I'm the only one left. Well, and then... God told him, or poor me. Yeah, he said uh, in First Kings nineteen eighteen. Yet I have reserved seven thousand in Israel, all whose knees have not bowed to Baal, and every mouth that has not kissed him. So there's there's still there's a remnant. There's a remnant of faithful ones to the Lord God yeah. in Israel. Yeah. In the midst of all this paganism, mm-hmm. in the midst of all this Jezebel spirit, in this weak, wimpy. Mm-hmm. idolatrous king Ahab. Mm-hmm. So there's 7,000 have not bowed the knees to Baal. And plus, no, I don't know if they're included in there, the prophets of God. That, uh, yeah. uh, who was it, Obadiah? Yeah, that, that mm-hmm. he hid, was the one. He, he had 100 of them, 50 in one cave, 50 in another. And, the, the, you know, the prophets were in the caves, but they were the faithful ones. They were being yeah. they were being protected by God. And it's, so. it's interesting, you know, all the prophets that were being protected, all the people that were looking, living right then, they could have looked around and saw the carnage, the death, the idolatry, the danger, the witchcraft. They could have felt very, very, everything was very life-threatening. In this place where we're tempted to look and go with our feelings and what it looks like, God is saying, listen. Don't look. Don't look. Don't feel. Listen. Listen to me. Don't pay attention to what you're seeing. Don't get 
moved by the carnage, by the massacring, by the, the depth of wickedness. And so many times today, one of the very tricks of Jezebel that I don't think we're falling for, is, or that we are falling for, I should say, that we don't see, is that she is giving us, trying to get us discouraged, defeated, anxious, oppressed, by looking at all the wickedness, the bad news, the, the corrupt, the hideous, heinous crimes, and people feed on that. And the more you feed on that, the less you're feeding on the goodness of God. And so I would say to you, do yourself a favor and stop listening to all that garbage. You don't need to know who killed who and how they did it. You don't need to watch it in the movies. You don't really need to hear that on the news. Really, you don't. Your life, your meditations will be a lot sweeter. Your sleep will be a lot better. It's not that we're going to be just ignoring and ignorance is bliss. It's not that. It's that we're not going to fall into I know they're doing that out there, but do I need to know every gory detail? No. Why? Because my mind and time and energy and thoughts need to be filled with the word and promises of God. So right. Exactly. Because our, our word, our world is, is, is super corrupt. And, uh, you know, you can't believe what, we, what you hear from the government controlled yeah. news media mm-hmm. and, and, and the, other, the other media that is really giving us the truth of exposing works of darkness that, as you said, Marjorie, that you just, it's, it's okay to know that. We know how to pray. Mm-hmm. But in the midst of all that, we've got to keep our focus on, uh-huh. on the living God. And, yeah. and really, that's, that's what God had to do with Elijah, get his focus right. back, not on mm-hmm. the bad how, things. The negative, but but on the Lord, because he had work for him to do. And you and I need to stay focused on what God is calling us to do. And I know we're running almost out of time. So let's do this to wrap up this segment um, to give some of the characteristics of Jezebel. Uh, yeah, we got uh, 10 minutes, whatever. But let's. But there's a lot of characteristics here. It's going to take us a while. And then next time we're going to start with her, the story of Naboth and kind of apply some of those characteristics to our specific lives. Because you have a very good list. There's some really good uh, stuff here. So you want to start? Sure. Yeah, I'll start. Okay. You know, there's different lists. And, and, and we'll, let's look at, uh, I'll kind of look at the short list for today. to get started. The short list. <laughs> the short list. All right. Characteristics of Jezebel spirit. One of the things that, that, that this spirit, it's seeing and operating, uh, well, in the church or workplace or family, uh, it seeks to gain popularity and favor with people of influential and high positions of leadership. Well, yes, because there's a there's a, <laughs> you can get get to the leader, you can get positions to control and influence the leader and get his position. So there there are coveted positions that the devil wants, and he goes after those positions, whether it's the priest of your home, or it's the uh, the president of your corporation, or whatever you are in a position, you know, a counselor in a a drug rehab place where you love God, wherever it is, the devil's trying to get your position, and so he goes after leadership. Yeah, and we, uh, we see that in the case, in the basic case here of Ahab and Jezebel, the influence of the king of Israel, mm-hmm. the king who is to be over God's people. Well, here's that word influence is interesting. You know, we have influences. I'm thinking even little kids going to school who love God, take their Bible to school, our leaders in their class do the righteous things, don't participate in the drugs, the, the swearing, love the kids, love one another, love each other. They're not mean, uh, covetous, they're not vindictive, but and they have positions of leadership as well. And so those children, those good, righteous little young people, uh, are going to be their position of leadership or their potential gift 
um, to lead or to um, is going to also be coveted by Satan. So he's going to go after them with the Jezebel spirit, yeah. which is going to make uh, make up lies about them, get them in trouble, pervert situations, and that's what this does. This Jezebel does in leadership. It tells lies about the pastor, the, the you know, or or seduces the husband or whatever to get to break things up so it can come in and claim just like with that inheritance with what we'll see next time how there was a she could then get the inheritance get the Naboth's vineyard because she set rumors out about him Mm -hmm. so the spirit operates in the example of say your children in school for example Mm -hmm. Uh, the spirit can come against those godly kids Mm -hmm. with the spirit of uh, in Intimidation or accusation, intimidation, false accusation, and the temptation too with discouragement. Right. It's like here I am living for God. What's wrong with me? Then I get I get treated. Well, not only that, but when I don't know if you have this on your list, but I've got to say this: a lot of times, the Jezebel will align align herself with um, ungodly people in places of authority, like in your court systems or social services, or child protection. I'm not saying these people are all wrong or bad, but there are elements in every group where there's a, where there's someone that Jezebel can count on to a principal, uh, uh, a coach, uh, uh, a supervisor, uh, the someone that the Jezebel can, she can send out the false report, the evil, the rumor, and, and bring it to that authority and that authority will be in agreement with the lie, with the evil report, and therefore that becomes the the way that this innocent person is is removed or gotten in trouble. We'll ally with powers that are wicked, that are on her team, and make it look like it's all legal, like getting the, the vineyard is all legal, but really these these corrupt uh, persons in, in these positions I'll, allow it. Because if there was a righteous person, in a position, the evil report formed against the child or against you would not go anywhere. But it has to be legalized by being brought up to a false, a wicked judge or wicked authority in order for it to con- to get its full measure of injustice against the innocent. Mm-hmm. And so there's a kind of a flip side of this. The Jezebel spirit also not only seeks to gain pop- popularity and influence and favor with in, in, with people in influential and high positions, but it will also seek out uh, individuals they feel that are weaker to get followers. Oh, sure, because them. there's strength so they in look numbers. At, look after the the strong, yeah. influence the strong, and then into the weak. Right, they want to remove the good, the righteous, the strong, like the Elijahs, and they want to intimidate and also bribe or flatter the. Um, the undisclosed masses of people who don't know who they are, who they're following, and promise them things. Um, flatter, flattery is a big one, and people all have a vulnerability, and that's where the, the this Jezebel works right into that area of where you have a soul wound or a vulnerability, and you need love, approval. Men, especially, they're so insecure about who they are. They want some beautiful woman to um, praise them, uh, look like she's respecting them, and she's actually seducing them. And I can't believe how it's got to be a spare a spirit of of numbing and a sedu- and uh, enchantment or bewitchment that allows these people these men especially to be so gullible so naive that they get sucked into these things and then what happens is if someone 
say a mentor, a friend, a mother, a sister, a, a, a wife uh, a, begins to yell at you. Ah, oh, there's some. This is terrible. This is they're they're out to get you. You don't get it. Can't you see this? You're being seduced. You're being deceived. You're being led like a lamb to the slaughter. Then the devil, or the demon, flips against that one who's calling uh, the the truth of what's going, uh, calling it out, and they are called the controller. They're con- you know how many women uh, who are trying to protect the marriage, for example, are being called the control freak because mm-hmm. and and they are they are trying to control because they're afraid as well. They have to do what Elijah had to do: be quiet, surrender to God, listen to the small voice. Don't freak out. Let God handle us. You're no match for Jezebel because the second you start, start to try to stand up and defend with reason, logic, uh, even making uh, presenting evidence to this person who's entrapped, enslaved, seduced, by, mesmerized by the Jezebel, you are not going to be able to convince anybody with reasoning. Listen to this. If you can talk someone into something, someone else will come and talk them out of it. It has to be a deliverance and a revelation from the Lord God themselves that th- that the enemy has been plotting secretly to take away your position as wife or your position as um, a leader in the church, whatever. You cannot defend your position as wife, leader, nothing. You give it to God and you let God go after Jezebel. You cannot reason with a demon. Well, or the person spirit. who's demon, demonized, either. Right. Or, yeah. You, you they're, cannot. They're under that influence. And what happens We is, try to do that. We plead. We, we, we plead. Why are... Even in addiction, you plead with the person, stop using, do you love this booze substance more than me? And, of course, the person says, no, of course I love you more. But they cannot stop because they need deliverance. It is beyond their self-control uh, or willpower to get rid of that's this spirit, this control. That's why we need deliverance. That's why we need the Lord God. Yeah, and you said in the case where the person, in a, say an example of a husband and wife, is say if a wife is pleading with her husband, can't you see that mm-hmm. this woman is trying to seduce you and, and all that sort of thing, and and they might not see it, or they, you know, and very likely they do not see it. What happens then? You said the wife mm-hmm. becomes. In the eyes of the husband, mm-hmm. you're the one that's having the problem. Yeah, the more you begin, try to defend yourself in any case, in any situation, the more you look like the guilty person. And it's the same thing too. Is like Ahab mm-hmm. called Elijah the troubler of Israel. Yeah, they it, said it, it, you're you know, the one. You're the one that's bringing all this trouble. You're the one that brought this uh, seven-year drought. But here's the deal. You're the one that that's interesting because everything that the evil one is doing, they're twisting around to be what you're doing. Yep. Ahab was the troubler of he, Israel. And, that's what, and Elijah told him that. And, and you're and, the one that's But the Ahab tried to get all the people to leave. Elijah's the troubler of Israel because, look, he's the one who's holding back the rain. I want rain. We all want rain. We need rain. Our kids are hungry. We need our food, blah, blah, blah. So Elijah's the troubler, but Elijah was only acting under the authority of God. He, he had no way to stop the rain except for God. And so, again, if you're being accused of having an affair when it's your spouse that's having an affair, if they're, if they're con- accusing you, it's more than like the, uh, the very thing that they are doing. But this intoxicating spell, this numbing spirit, this numbing stupor that they're on, um, 
it it it, it causes it's like a it's like a bite a venom of a snake or something that bites and numbs you out. So you 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 and 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 I believe blindness is a big part of this this witchcraft Jezebel's blindness spiritual blindness. You cannot see. You don't know. You you don't get it. You don't connect the dots. You're just kind of. You're not living in a depth of, of real intimacy with God. You're just skimming the surface of your life, staying happy, doing fun, enticing things, escaping, busy, you know, doing life at a very shallow level. And your eyes are not seeing the spells, the, the flattery, the poison. It's like a person who's freezing to death and all they want to do is sleep. They don't get the fact that they've got to move. They've got to do something different than what they feel like doing. Exactly. So go ahead, honey. What's the next one? Exactly. Well, uh, it's it's a spirit that's um, there's a false humility associated with someone that has a Jezebel spirit. They pretend to be humble, they helpful. They pretend to be humble, yeah. helpful. I'm I'm just so interested in you. Mm-hmm. I want what's best for you. Yeah. And uh, Jezebel, when uh, uh, we keep teasing people with this Naboth Vineyard thing that we'll have to look at next time, mm-hmm. but it's like this is something that you want. I'm here to help you. Yeah, Jezebel was there to help <laughs> Naboth. Poor little Naboth. Poor little guy was all depressed because he couldn't get well, the vineyard. Yeah, poor Ahab was. was I'm sorry, depressed. did I say that? Yeah. Naboth was the guy owning uh, the vineyard. Oh, sorry. here, honey, let me help yeah. you. I'll get it for you. So he's laying there pounding. But and, so, so her flattery, and this is how it works in the church too. These are the prayer. These often come in as the. The armor bearers, the the volunteers, they want to help. They just want to be there. They volunteer for everything. They want to be involved in everybody's lives. They want to know the weak spots, the the gossip in everybody's relationships so they know how to pit one against another, how they know how to plot. They know how to set up their strategies to create division, animosity, confusion, um, indecision, indecisiveness. And so they come in as these um, helpful, very, very helpful, very sweet, with undying energy these people can go like the ever ready bunny and it's just like they it's it's a demonic energy they have to do this and and a lot of times the pastors and focus they are very the focused pastors will feel like these are this is one of the finest people in the church this yeah. is my my right hand man my right yeah. hand woman i know whatever. churches that have actually been to totally destroyed by a chief intercessor yes i mean i know that mm-hmm. i i can tell you horror stories from for all day about various things but the intercessor has the hand of Satan on the pulse of the church. Your intercessors are not, are not all demonic. But if you start to see them, the true intercessors, being beat up, thrown out, quitting, um, coming to you, feeling that they're hammered and controlled by something, and you don't listen, you know, then as a leader, if you don't pay attention, even it, sometimes it, it's, you know, we need to look at what are, what's blinding us. Why am I not seeing what's going Lord, remove the scales from my eyes. Let me know. Let me see what's really going on here. So, yeah. What do you want to say next, honey? Well, we're getting, so, we're getting, oh. we're getting to the end. We're just we're getting in the thick of this thing. We're right in the middle of this thing. Well, I don't know if we're in the middle of it. We're in the, get our toes in the water anyway. There you go. That's probably and, right. And, uh, you know, it's really, it's, um, uh, this spirit too is is very defensive and combative whenever confronted about mm-hmm. anything. So if you if there's a, any kind of a, a confrontation, if it's a, a loving, firm confrontation, if they get called out on on something, uh, there is a great defensiveness and anger and revenge 
that can just uh, arise in this whole in, in that situation. Oh, hey, I got a piece of good news. We have a few more minutes. We have like another fifty-six minutes or something before they take us away. Do you want to do this all in one shot, honey? Are you well, up to can, it? We can do it because they're all yeah. in. T- you know, you guys can put a pause on this if you have to go run and do something. Yeah, I think. Well, anyway, we can, we can do it. Yeah. All right, well, let's do it then because you know what? By next week, God only knows where we'll I, be. I'm going to be gone next week. So. Oh, well, then you make me do it yeah. all by myself. Well, let's yeah. go back, guys. Okay. <laughs> Here we are. Hang in there. Okay, let's go back to Kings. Let's see where we want to go. Um. Let's see. I want to find where I need to find. 21. 21. Kings. First Kings. 21. 3. Let's go there. So we're getting into okay. Naboth's vineyard. And now we're going to go through some more stuff. So hold on, people. We're sorry. This is good. It came to pass after these things that Naboth, the Jezreelite. So that's where, of course, Jezreel was an uh, area, a place. Had a vineyard, at which was in Jezreel. Next to the palace of Ahab, king of Samaria. Oh, boy. Bad location. Next to the king. And Ahab spoke to Naboth, saying, Give me your vineyard, that I may have it for a vegetable garden, because it is near, next to my house. And for it I will give you a vineyard better than it. And if it, Or if it seems good to you, I will give you its worth in money. So can I buy this from you? Uh, I want your position. I want your possession. I want your place. I want your your vineyard. And Naboth, you think, well, that, that sounds like a good deal. I wanted to move anyway. But Naboth said, no, the Lord forbid that I should give you the inheritance of my father. So, so Naboth was an honorable man, and he was not willing to compromise or give up his inheritance, that, that, which was holy and sacred to him, which belonged to him and his family. He wasn't willing to give that up. So the question becomes, um, do you have something that the world doesn't want you to have? Do you have a gift? an anointing, health, a place, a good marriage? Are you living next to them, those, those that would covet it? Um, are you working in the midst of them? And this can be a corporation. This can be, are you living, working in the cubicle next to? Or uh, that something you have that the enemy wants. Um, and, so, uh, and so Naboth went into his house, sullen and displeased, verse 4, because of the word which Naboth, the Jezreelite, had spoken to him, for he had said, I will not give you the inheritance of my father's. And he laid down on his bed and turned away his face and would eat no food. So he's busy pouting. He's pouting. He's, he's sullen. He's, um, you know, but, but Naboth was sticking to his guns. He was not going to strike a deal with evil. And the king was upset. Um, Naboth was unwilling to betray his wife, his family, his position, his father, his inheritance. What are you willing or being tempted to betray um, as Naboth was being tempted to betray his father's inheritance and sell the land or compromise. What, what is it that, that you're being tempted to abandon, to give up, or believe lies about? Who are, what, see, because these are all going to be, all this plot is going to be instigated with one thing, and that's lies. So what lies is the enemy going to now formulate against your loved one, against yourself? Sometimes the lies he, he sets up is to attack identity and who you are, or he may attack um, your loved one, and, and you're tempted to believe the lie. So Naboth was not willing, like I said, to strike a deal with this king, uh, even though the king was the king. So what? You know, um, this is my heritage. This is my responsibility or obligation, as Naboth would have thought, to 
hold on to my father's vineyard. Well, really, uh, Naboth was a, was a man of obviously a man of good character, and he was not going to be you know pressured, even if it, even if it even though it looked like a very sweet deal from the king. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's good to say, be the able sweet to, deals are all able to tempting. say no to the king. Mm-hmm. But if you go with reasoning and what it looks like and what thinks that, well, this is a sweet deal. You know, I could you know get ahead financially. I could move. I could do better for myself. I could get a better vineyard. That's what he mm-hmm. said. I'd give you a better one than the one you got. So, yeah, and another thing about the Ahabs, the Ahabs that are married to Jezebel's, and not, you know, Jezebel we think of as a female spirit because of the name, but there's also an Ahab spirit. Those are the passive men who are married to controlling women, who women are who are insecure, but the passive men, um, they, they are pr- prone to passivity or passive aggressiveness or being sullen, depressed, um, pathetic, poor me, uh, immobilized, uh, you know, they're just unresolved in their leadership, emasculated males. I think a lot, you see this a lot. There's usually one that controls in the marriage and is bossy, and they're bossing out of fear. They're, I have to control it because if I don't control it, something might go wrong, blah, blah, blah. So you see a lot of Ahabs out there who are letting a Jezebel run their life, and they don't know what to do about it. The Jezebels actually are running them out of their houses, out of their very homes. Um, running them out of the marriage, taking from them uh, ultimately, you know, through huge uh, marriage, uh, divorce settlements, you know, alimony, child support. Not that there shouldn't be proper um, distribution of funds, but it seems like the evil, wicked people in that situation always get the best deal in the end financially. Um, You can count on it. The righteous person is going to get stripped and ripped, and you're tempted to not be righteous. You're tempted to go back and defend yourself or fight. Well, each situation is a little different, and we're not going to give you the generals about, of what you should do. But going back to um, this, this scenario is now set up. So what happens? Jezebel, his wife, came to him, verse 5, and said, Why is your spirit so sullen that you eat no food? What's wrong with you, you sniveling idiot? Do I have to do everything? You're such a baby. I have to, you know, these women create babies out of their husbands and then hold them in contempt for being babies, mm-hmm. you know. Usually, Because that... you can hold a baby, carry a baby around, and do what you want with the baby. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So they just do that with their husbands, and then they end up despising and not respecting him. Then the husband is all vulnerable to go sleep with a temple prostitute. Mm-hmm. Well, so what happens here with, you know, with Ahab, I mean, he was... He was not a, obviously, uh, not, not, aggressive. not a strong leader, no. not an aggressive no. leader. And then he just gets more and more manipulated by his wife. Absolutely. And God has called men not to be. Well, this uh, is the whole point of Jezebel, to undermine male authority. That's why it's a female spirit. Yeah. That's what this world and this nation right now is all about, female goddesses. You know, oh, this is, what, this is what's going on. Which it crap. goes back into the 60s and 70s and mm-hmm. the women's liberation movement. Now, we're not just talking about equal pay for equal work, and we're not yeah. demeaning women the influence of all. women. Some of the best leaders uh, yeah. uh, in, in government, in business, in, in, in church are, 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 are women. That's right. But a lot of times... It's it's it, the Bible says there's neither there's neither male nor female we're all one in Christ Jesus however because we have physical bodies we have certain specific roles and uh, positions as you know in as members of the body of Christ as members of the kingdom of God 
And ultimately, we have a soul, and the souls are neither male or female. But in this place of submission and authority, it's the, the order, the divine order of God is God, the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, man, woman, child. Mm-hmm. But the enemy can't use that divine order because that's already been used. So he's got to create the opposite, the counterfeit. So he goes, he is God, and then he has the woman, then he has the man, or maybe then the children, and then the man. The, the men are put on the bottom of the totem pole, basically, if there is such a thing. A lot of men pole. have just really abdicated their leadership role, and part of it is maybe because they don't know how. Well, they've been mocked. They've been laughed at. They made this, the the point of jokes and sitcoms and all kinds of stuff. The women are smart and conniving and crafty, and the men are stupid and gullible and easy. Um, so then Jezebel, his wife, said, you now exercise authority over Israel. What's wrong with you, basically? You are the You're king. The king. Yeah. <clears throat> Arise, get up, eat some food, and let your heart be cheerful. I will go, I will give the vineyard of Naboth um, to you. He says, I will give you the vineyard of Naboth, the Jezreelite. I'll go do, I'll do it. Everything's up to me. If I want to get anything done right, make my husband happy, I'll go do it. So he didn't say, no, honey, it's okay. I can handle it. I'll just, you know, plant my garden somewhere else. He let he every time there was a whether it was with Elijah on the Count Mount Carmel, or here with we never hear Ab saying anything. We always hear him going along with everything. The only thing he finally said was that Elijah was the troubler of Israel, but <clears throat> we never see him standing up for the right thing ever. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so she did, so so this was her plan. She wrote a letter in in Ahab's name, sealed them with his kingly ring seal, and sent the letters to the elders and nobles who were dwelling in the city with Naboth. Now, so she's going to use the local authorities. She's sealing this ring, uh, this letter with the ring, making it look like this is an order from the king. So she's using the king's authority, but she's the one who wrote the letter. It doesn't say she showed Naboth the letter, I mean uh, Ahab the letter, she wrote it, developed, she had a plan. She, it, she sent a memo, pulled the strings, your corporation, they send a memo, pull the strings, have a meeting, have a secret meeting, uh, get the good guy. Yeah, yeah, get him in big trouble. So she was setting her trap. And she conceals herself, Jezebel, in all of these situations, will always hide herself, guise herself, disguise herself as the sweet queen the one who would never even think to do such a terrible thing that she's already plotted to do. Uh, but she gets others to do her dirty work for her. She manipulates them. She flatters them. She controls them. She confronts them. She threatens them. She uses them. Um, and then, because she's always wanting to look like she never did anything wrong. I am a nice person is one of the covering um, you know, uh, cloaks, I don't know what you call disguises, of a Jezebel. I'm a nice person. I'm a volunteer. I'm helpful. I love you. Um, You know, and and always with flattery, always maintaining that I'm a nice person. I didn't do anything wrong. So she presents herself as an advocate. You know, they come in as a confidant, like we said, personal friends, armor bearers, prayer warriors, personal assistance to the leader, to the pastor, the the one who has got what she wants, that she puts herself right next to them. She came looking like a friend and leaves 
with a smirk on her face and wiping her mouth and saying, I never did anything wrong. That's, I think, Proverbs 30, 20. That, that's the, the MO of the harlot. Anyway, so we go to verse 8. So she's strategic. She flatters. Um, she um, threatens. Um, in just the right mix between flattery and threatening, she uses the king's authority as her own. She makes it look like a command from him. This is where twisting and perverting, withholding of information, distorting information, twisting it. This is why Jezebel is connected with serpents and snakes. So is witchcraft. Because the snakes twist. They turn the information. They obscure it. They delete certain things out of the text. They, um, they you know, um, make it look like something it's not. That's the spirit of divination. It's always trying to make something look like what they want you to think it is, and that's not what it is at all, because underneath that is the drill truth. So um, so when she was getting others to do the dirty work, here's how it went down. So she wrote the letter saying, proclaim a fast, proclaim a fast. Now, fasts are usually connected with religious uh, piety, with seriousness, uh, sobriety. Um, and so she's calling, telling these guys to call a fast and set Naboth, with high honor among the people, and seat two men, scoundrels, before him who bear witness against him, saying, You have blasphemed God and the king. Then take him out and stone him, that he may die. Now, I, I used to think that there was a banquet involved here, but it really doesn't say that. Um, she wrote this letter. So this was a solemn seating. It was a fast. It was a religious... A religious event. Good, 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 good word. There you go. So she was setting up a religious event. And then Naboth gets seated in the place of honor. Why in the place of honor? Well, because there he's much more easily visible and much more, you know, you're you're seating this man that you're going to take out in the high place uh, where you're going to have, it's easy to call attention and make it even more striking that this man we've just seated in this place of honor has betrayed us and now we're putting putting him in the bullseye. Take him down. Yeah, putting put the, him in the bullseye. Putting the target on him. Yeah. So she got these guys to do her dirty work for her. Um, so so the men of the city, the elders, the nobles, who were inhabitants of the city, did as Jezebel sent to them, as it was written in the letter that she sent to them. And they proclaimed the fast and seated Naboth in the high place of honor. And two men came in, scoundrels, before him and witnessed against him, against Naboth. In the presence of the people saying, Naboth has blasphemed God and the king. <clears throat> Basically the same thing they said about Jesus. Then they took him outside the city and stoned him with stones till they died. There was no second hearing. There was no appeals court. There was just the action was taken. Then they sent to Jezebel saying, Naboth has been stoned and is dead. Now notice, come accomplished, Jezebel had to find her henchmen. She had to find someone to do her dirty work for her. And like I mentioned before, we have judges and caseworkers and un- the un- many unsuspecting who are just wanting to please or move up the corporate ladder themselves or use the opportunity to um, show off their own power to please someone who has an evil plot or in mind. So they get pulled in unsuspectingly into this, this riot of stoning Naboth, the, the innocent one. And we use this Web, the innocent are also caught in this, the, the innocent, the helpless, the nice, the poor, the defenseless, to get them to assist her in getting justice or injustice 
or get her, um, you know, you know, for example, how many judges have ruled in favor of the wicked one or the one who was the Jezebel to get the kids or get the biggest settlement or or the, the support that, that really and, and, and just try to destroy the innocent one. This can go with male or female. It does I've seen it both ways. So um, you see here that these men of the town were there was an intoxicating spell, a desire to please, a desire to be promoted, a numbing stupor. Uh, that's a that's a part of the spirit of Jezebel is this thing that stings people, especially unsuspecting males, putting them under her spell through flattery or the poison or the the, the gifts that she gives or the um, flattery the the just so much of that that you just can't possibly think that this woman could have any evil intentions in her mind. So. The question becomes then, what is the man's vulnerability? What makes the, him so easily susceptible to this snake that bites him? And it's interesting, the snake here, Jezebel, that no one really ever would suspect that she was behind this. No, no. Except it's, the, it, it's just like people are looking at it at face value. Here comes this fast. We have this religious event. And here's this guy. They they portray Naboth as as a hypocrite, as a blasphemer, and they just kill him. They think they're doing their religious duty. Mm-hmm. They're killing the wrong person. Right. They're well, attacking the wrong person. She sent this letter to the elders and the nobles, the leaders in that city. So these elders, like we were saying, and nobles, uh, the judges, the the priests, the the corporate heads, the whatever, um, they are in a position. Of vulnerability, um, so uh, what become what are the questions we need to ask here? What is this man, this elder, this this noble, this priest, this prophet, this pastor? Are the vulnerabilities in his or her life that cause them to be susceptible to this this intoxicating spell? Um, what are the unsettling questions in their own mind yet about themselves, their identity? What are the wounds of their soul that make them so susceptible to pleasing, man-fear, people-pleasing? Is it ambition? Is it competition? Is it appearances? Is it insecurity? Is it the quest for power? Is it the need for affirmation? It's all Or is it, is it a short, they want to take a shortcut to success so they get this promotion because they make this, this influential person happy and remove this other person so they maybe will get that position, that power, that place. Or is it you know, sometimes I think they think they're invincible, that they're um, they're an exception to the rule. These these are places and ways that I bet you these elders they were eventually su- suddenly they disappeared somewhere and they were they were you know gone dead. Nobody knows how they died. How many people stand up for righteousness and they disappear, or you find their dead body, or they have a sudden heart attack, or you know they went to the hospital for a minor surgery and now they're dead, and nobody knows except that was covering evidence. Um, so men, especially shortcuts to success, feeling that they want this woman's approval, that they're they're intoxicated. Really, they don't know they're drunk. Um, so we go to so she basically perverted, twisted, made up a trump charge, twist the truth. Says Naboth is, you know, blaspheming God and the king. There might, you know, I don't even know if there was an element of truth in any of it actually. Except he just resisted the king and didn't want to give him the, you know, make the deal with him. So when she's proclaiming a fast, it goes back to what you said earlier in the program, Jerry, how the, 
they pull the religious wool over people's eyes and make all the bad guys look like pious and unsuspecting, setting and, and, and setting up the victim. Mm-hmm. So in a lot of kids, for example, in sexual abuse, if you've been sexually abused by a Sunday school, I can't say anything. My parents won't believe me. They're going to believe that the, how many kids were sexually abused by priests and they never told their parents mm-hmm. because they said they won't believe me. Mm-hmm. So there's that helpless. And you want to stay there? Well, yeah, there's that there's that helplessness there. And then one of the things, too, here, there's there's a great injustice that has occurred here. But no one has noticed it yet. But nobody's, nobody notices it. Mm-hmm. I mean, Naboth, which, you know, from what we know about him, he is a righteous man, a man of integrity. Mm-hmm, of course. He gets killed and on the basis of false, trumped-up charges. And so there's a great mm-hmm. injustice that is not... Judged. And these are the judged. injustices, guys. Yeah. These are the accumulations. The Every says in the Bible, every secret will be revealed. And all of these things that have never been judged or punished Will be now if you are caught in this place of being attacked by a Jezebel. Here's number one: you must forgive. You must release this whole situation. You must. This is the first thing you must do: is release the in, the injustice back to the high court of heaven. Let God be the judge. That you will not be caught in the crossfire of judging. Judge not, lest you be judged. Mm-hmm. So you're gonna you're gonna turn the crime over to heaven. You're gonna say. God, by an act of my will and with my heart, I choose to forgive and release and name the people, name this, this person's situation or various people. You, Lord God, for judgment. And I turn the crimes committed against me and my family, the losses, the, injust- the insensitivities, the injustices, over to the high court of heaven. And I ask, Lord God, that you would, first of all, um, deal with the enemy who's brought this Jezebel spirit, the spirit of witchcraft that has brought this upon me and I may family that you would judge this enemy that you because that's what God's all about he's about judging the evil one the wicked ones and so that you will judge them and restore unto the people who were taken up we're not judging the people we do not battle against flesh and blood the people who are taken up in the in the in the plot and became your enemy or acted against you you pray that God will give them remove from them the spirit of blindness and the stupor that they're in, and God will give them, number one, the gift of repentance, and number two, the revelation of Jesus Christ, or the revelation of Jesus Christ, which will bring the gift of repentance. Because if they don't repent, they are going to be also cast into the same judgment as the demons that they followed. So that's number one. That's the first priority. Now, so um, Jezebel, so she... The heads, uh, they carried out the, the deed. They drew att- attention, um, accusation, uh, incrimination against Naboth. They accused him. He was betrayed by his, bre- by his you know, citizens, fellow citizens of the town. Um, they, she had drawn her authority uh, from the king or the court or whatever to pronounce the sentence on him and kill him. Um, so the good guy gets taken out of the way. His position becomes open and available, um, and so then they can snatch the position, the garden, whatever it is they're after, um, and it and, and it they get what they want at at this point. It's, it seems like that they do. So Jezebel basically 
Um, kind of to summarize, she hates men, men in authority, because I believe Jezebel really wanted to be the queen. I believe that she despised Ahab well, she was herself. The queen. She was the. She was. The I'm queen. sorry. She wanted to be the king. She was the queen. She She. She really. She wanted to be. The, she was the, the queen and wanted to be the king. So actually, in some ways, she hated her femininity because that kept her from being the king. And so I believe a lot of our uh, women today who don't want to be women, and want to be men, are also hooked up in this thought that if I were a man, I could be the king. And now because I'm a woman, I can only be the queen unless I can find some gullible man to give me his authority so I can be um, the leader. So this is very twisted and it's self-hatred. It's rejection of your femininity. I think that has a lot to do with how Jezebel's behave as well. Um, so she plotted against um, this good guy so that it, ultimately the bad guys look like the nice guys, the respectable people. Uh, and and they wipe their hand their mouths and they say we didn't do anything right. wrong. Right, it's like they are the the bad guys are the ones that come to look like they're upholding righteousness. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, yeah. So the end of this story is not that uh, Ahab finally got the vineyard and got to plant his squash over on that side of the road, whatever. Was that ultimately in uh the, there was justice in this particular case and also the prophetic word that God had given earlier through Elijah again Elijah now if you turn to second kings 9 verse uh 30 through 37 we're going to see the death of Jezebel which i think is um yeah, a no, good no, way to end <laughs> right right yeah yeah and uh, cuz God did, did yeah now, another thing too one of the things with uh, Ahab is that they uh, with Ahab his the house of Ahab was going to disappear? God said because mm-hmm. oh, of his evil and the judgment. He says, "I am going to wipe out, eliminate your the house of Ahab. Mm-hmm. Ahab. I'm, mm-hmm. Your your family's going to be history. Done. Mm-hmm. You're, you're done." And God does draw the line like that. So there is some justice that we see coming out of all this. Mm-hmm. But then you're talking about. Uh, well, in, in, in Second Kings, she lived on a long life. It seems she like lived, she lived pretty after long year, after Ahab died. Yeah, he was killed by he got a, I think he got an arrow in, in between the chinks of his armor. I believe it was interesting. Yeah, and he died in battle. He was trying to disguise himself in battle again, like he wasn't the king. Uh huh. And the arrow came right through the and it was a, just a stray arrow basically because yep, they didn't it. recognize him as king but God did right, right. And I knew God guided that arrow right right and and Jezebel God's justice lived and kept operating about 10 years after Ahab died ooh wonder what she was up to trying to seduce all of the the generals and the and the lieutenants oh, and trying to sure, keep everybody sure, all flattered sure. because it must have been something like that because in and you kind of get that picture because in Kings um, 9, verse 30. And when Jehu had come to Jezreel, Jezebel heard of it. Now, Jehu was um, in the war, in the, in the battle, and he was one that Elijah had anointed to be king. And he said he anointed Hazel and Jehu. And he says, if whoever Hazel doesn't kill, Jehu will. You know, so if, if, if one slips away from Hazel, Jehu is going to get him. And so this is that same Jehu. When he came to Jezreel, that's where Jezi lives, she heard of it, and she put paint on her eyelids and adorned her head and looked through the window. She's dre- she's putting on the look of a harlot, makeup, she, she's, put on uh, her false eyelashes. She's uh, dressed fit to kill. 
And that's what's about to happen. But so she she's on the probably the second story window. She's not looking out. The, she's a you know this might have been a second or third story window. She put her paint on her eyes, adorned her head, looked beautiful, and looked through the window. Then as Jehu entered at the gate, she said, "Is it peace, Zimri, murder of your master?" I don't know why she called him Zimri. Do you know why? Uh, part of it, I think, is because he was the one. Was that his father? Jehu was the one, I think, that shot the arrow. Uh, I'm, I'm not sure. That, well, we'll have to go back and look we'll at that a little more. Yeah, anyway, so she's she's wanting to know who's down there, you know, because he's pulling up in his chariot. And he looked up at, so he looked up, so she had to be in the second story at least, looked up at the window, and this is critical to the plot, and said, who's on my side? Okay, so he's going to lay it right down, draw the line. Who's on my side? So he's yelling it up again. Who? And two of three or three eunuchs looked out at him. So in that room with Jezebel at that time when she's putting on her makeup were two or three attendants, male servants. Then he said to them, he said, throw her down. (laughs) They didn't even ask a question. They were probably wanting to get rid of her too. So they threw her down and some of her blood spattered on the wall and on the horses. And he trampled her underfoot. So some horse down there at the bottom, trampled her. You know how they raise up and they can knock some down, knock them out, kill them. So, and when he had gone in, he ate and drank. So Jehu left the, the scene and went into the local tavern there, got something to eat, drank a little bit. Then he said, go now, see to this accursed woman and bury her, for she is the king's daughter. So technically, he didn't do, lift really a finger to do anything to her. Um, the guy's threw out the window. She probably cracked her head. The horse jumped on her. And, you know, he didn't stab her. He didn't, you know, strangle her. He didn't do nothing. He just left her be. So he walked in, walked out. So he's going to go bury her because he figured she was dead. So when they went to bury her, they but they found no more of her than the skull and the feet and the palms of her hands. That's all that was left. Therefore, they came back and told him and said, this is the word of the Lord, which he spoke to the servant Elijah, the Tishbite, saying, so they were remembering the very prophetic word that Elijah, many years before, had given over this woman. On the plot of ground at Jezreel, dogs shall eat the flesh of Jezebel, and the corpse of Jezebel shall be as the refuse on the surface of the field in the plot of Jezreel, so that they shall not say, here, is, here lies Jezebel. So he's saying, in the very place, God said, where she's going to die, on the plot of ground, what was going to happen, how it was going to happen, basically, or what was going to be left of her. So the dogs ate her, so she was, you know, uh, became the dog food queen. And her, her remains were uh, discarded as refuse on the surface of the field. So there was no burial for her. Now, isn't it interesting also, um, on several occasions, uh, on two occasions for sure, uh, and possibly more, I have actually in this where Jezebel has been had a major hand in the takedown of a righteous person. There have been dogs that have attacked. The, in one particular case, I, I don't remember. It was one of those attack type of dogs. Put attacked a man who was investigating some very heavy duty, hardcore Jezebel-ish type of plots. This attack dog bit him severely, so he spent weeks. Uh, in recovery, don't even know if he was going to recover. That was an attack, a rabid type of, not rabid, the dog didn't have rabies, but 
The dog attacked him. In another particular case, it was a spiritual dog that attacked the juggler vein in a spiritual attack. A dog went for the juggler, the throat, the life core, um, that that vein that carries the the blood, um, the life force of the body to a, a person. And after that, they started to experience the same Jezebelic type of takedown, both of them, after the attacks of the dogs. They, it must have been some spiritual connection. And these are the rabid dogs that eat Jezebel. I don't know if they got her spirit on them. Of course, they're not the same dogs, but um, it's kind of not a coincidence, really. Kind well, of weird. Yeah. And the, and the thing is, too, we tend in America, we tend to think of, we like our old dogs and our cats and our pets, and we're so affectionately involved with them. But in many cultures like India, mm. uh, Africa, they're they're not kept as pets. They're they're kept as they're the scavengers. They're, yeah, and a lot of times they're the roving scavengers. Well, and a lot of times we don't realize it, but dogs and cats can carry spirits and do work for yeah. the enemy. And it's interesting when Ahab died. You know, it's it's basically someone now a certain man drew a bow at random and struck the king between the joints of his armor with the arrow. That's how you know he died. It's interesting. Um, so the king died, and they buried the king in Samaria. Uh, this is First Kings 22, verse uh, 38. And then someone washed the chariot at a pool in Samaria, and the dogs licked up his blood. Oh, him too. While the wow. harlots bathed. Wow. Wow. While the harlots wow. bathed. What a total complete the dogs connection. dogs licked up his blood. According to the wow. word of the Lord, which he has spoken. blood, harlots. Wow. Yeah. Wow. They both have the same. The dogs were sent by God. and I be, But I believe there are demonic dogs, spirits, hounds of hell, that bite and tear. I know there are. And they're not like your little, I mean, we're not talking about your little pet dog. We're talking about hounds of hell that bite and chew and shred and break. And they can do this to people's bodies. And if you feel these kinds of things going on in your body, the shrip, the ripping, the shredding, the biting, the chewing, the snapping of bones, et cetera, et cetera, like dogs do, um, you will, you'll, you probably are under the influence of a, of a satanic uh, assault against your life. And I would call them the hounds of hell. But this is interesting how these dogs were sent to do some justice, sent by the Most High God to complete justice. Now, this is so this is kind of the story and you've got a pretty good grip on it but what we're going to do right now is give you a a little uh list of the things that um kind of sum up if you will what Jezebel does. I'm going to read a list first um because Jerry's list is better and his list is going to give us a little more time to talk about things. So I'm going to just kind of read through this is uh a, something that was found online and um so you can you can do your own researches. And there's a lot of people who talk about Jezebel. But really, the best thing to do is get it from the Bible and listen to the Lord as he gives you understanding to connect things. Okay. Um, she is extremely, Jezebel is extremely enticing, entrancing, charming, seductive, intoxicating, alluring, puts men in a trance, and desires to control for personal gain, appears caring and nurturing and giving but is uh, a tra- it's a trap and it's bait. Refuses to admit guilt or wrong. 
we go back here, read the part again about the enticing part. Okay. Enticing. Entrancing. Charming. Seductive. Intoxicating. I right. Would... Do you suppose that this Jezebel spirit that is Spells. behind like a pornography? Oh, of course. It's connected. People, people are Harlots. Men Perversions. that are addicted to pornography mm-hmm. over the internet. That's a spirit. Well, and it has to be kind of a mesmerizing, intoxicating thing because... A lot of them hate it, and they don't know how to get out of it, and they hate themselves for it. They feel bad, filthy, blah, blah, blah. But it is spellbinding. I mean, to get on the Internet, it's, they're in a spell. They're in a trance. They're, they, this is a spirit, you guys. Don't judge yourselves and be horribly hateful of yourselves. Just cr- call it to God and say, God, break me out of this spell. Um, because that sets you up then to be feel unworthy of leadership. You're filthy. You're unworthy of healing. You're now vulnerable to being getting sick, get losing things, not worthy of having a good life. And so your life is beginning to be stripped away out of the council of guilt because you feel so bad because you can't stop looking at pornography when indeed you have been under a spell. And that's exactly what this is. It's a trance. It's a spell. And there are spells in witchcraft. We talk about people put mm-hmm. spells on people to control them. I mean, it, by the way, also, one of the other parts of this witchcraft Jezebel thing is pharmacia, which is which is medications, drugs, over the counter, in the street. The drug is the drug, to to modify, uh, to manipulate, to control your symptoms, your feelings, and a lot of those drugs have very severe side effects. And pharmacia is the Greek word for witchcraft. So that's exactly what they're doing. They're spe- they're, they're spellbinding people, making them dopey, drugged. Not themselves, you know. They even complain about it. I can hardly focus. I'm dragging through the day. I can't get out anything done. I'm, I'm just not here. You know, I'm just what because of pain. Go to Jesus and ask Him to get rid of the pain. Show you the root of the pain because pain also is a spirit. They all work together. This spirit of pain attacks you. These dogs of hell bite you. Then you go to get a medication that it, it, it intoxicates you, spellbinds you, and now you're feeling bad, guilty, and and unworthy so now you're getting stripped of your relationship with god your wife your children everything's going to hell quickly all because of the enemy and not recognizing him or not believing the enemy exists or or etc so they appear to be caring nurturing and giving but it's a trap it's bait um they refuse to admit they're wrong or they've done anything wrong they they continue to believe their and promote their niceness their you know among the gullible Use people to accomplish their personal ends of self-serving for the self-serving agenda, like they want your position, they want your wife, your husband, whatever. They use information as a powerful weapon to control. They volunteer for everything or anything in order to accomplish the goal of control by with seemingly endless amount of energy. And they look for opportunities to be involved in projects. Um, they work hard. They look like they're very motivated to work hard. But their their efforts and motives are never pure. They they lie convincingly. They use charm to deceive, and they ignore you if you disagree with them. They threaten. Um, uh, they're they're threatened by anyone who dares to steal the limelight, and they're threatened if you should call them into the light. Will one up people with victories? It's all about me. The narcissistic, I would say. All about me, all about me, all about me. They love to be in control of information. That's interesting. And be the first to know what's going on so that they can deal with any vulnerabilities or insecurities in other people incessantly. They're the life of the party. Their main desire is for power and attention. 
they lack a conscience, uh, and they will lie, uh, believing that the means justifies the end. They are pushy and domineering, although they don't always appear to be, pressures others into doing things, um, leverages the elements of surprise, sows seeds of discord and division, and commands attention. Since Jezebel, the Jezebel is never wrong, if you contradict or confront one, get ready for to become her worst enemy. There will be severe consequences, as we know with Elijah. As long as you are in agreement with them, it is fine. But if you confront or challenge them, then look out. You become the target of her fiercest wrath, which we saw biblically. This is all biblically based. Uh, her fiercest venom, and I think that's a good word. Jezebel will stop at nothing to destroy your reputation, and that's exactly what she did with Naboth. Tried to make him look like a blasphemer. Mm-hmm. A Jezebel is difficult to pin down because she's always a snake. She's sliding around. Mm-hmm. Um, you don't know who's on her side because she's already gone ahead of you and contaminated the well and got her allies and confidants and got those who's believing she's this wonderful person. So you don't know who your allies is. Um, difficult to pin down. She is near. Uh, if she's near being confronted, she will skillfully twist the entire situation trying to make the innocent person look like they are the one who is attempting control. And that she does well. Twist it around to make it be like you're the guilty one. You did the bad thing. Mm-hmm. You're the one who's freaking out. You're the insane one. A lot of guys will make their wife look insane. Now, this is the Jezebel working through a man to make her look insane so that he can get the kids or get a divorce, put her away so he can marry this harlot that he wants to marry or whatever. But I've seen that too where they make they just make her look and she just doesn't know how to defend herself because it's, there's such a convincing argument. He's, he's even convinced her in domestic violence and abuse as well. Uh, the, the one, the abuser, has convinced the, the victim that they are the bad one, the insane one, crazy. And so they don't defend themselves. They don't know how to get out of this grip. It's the same spirit of Jezebel. Jezebel leaves little room for anyone um, to um, anyone to point out the other side of the issue, in other words, they control the conversation, they cut you off. Um, those controlled by her feel no freedom to express their opinion, and they're afraid. Because, number one, they're insecure, they don't know who they are, and they believe the lies that they've been being fed for all those years. Uh, it's just like eating unhealthy for many, many years and then wondering why you can't run the marathon. If you've been fed poisons and lies forever and a day by this person who you believe is in, loves you and has your best interest in mind, and they don't, and you've been willfully eating, feasting out of their words, now you find out that they've been lying to you. It's like devastating, Mm -hmm. the betrayal. Exactly. So I got just a couple more, and then we're going to turn it to you, Jer. Um, The Jezebel has a strong desire and a work ethic, uh, but all for herself. She does a lot of gift giving. That's with the bribery, of course, uh, as a form of manipulation. Jezebel uses... um, she makes you to feel obligated. That's another important word. It's, you know, you're obligated. That's uh, gives gifts as a tactic for control, is fiercely independent. And Jezebel will attend a local church and appear to be religious at times, and pretty much oftentimes, I think. Mm-hmm. So go for your list, honey. I think. Um, well, you've, you've pretty well. You've <laughs> yeah, but pretty, I want to take it apart a little bit. You, well, you pretty well covered the list. I mean, there's a lot there to take apart. That's like a. Well, yeah. A huge machine to take apart. But, uh, <laughs> Something to think yeah. about anyway. So, yeah, I mean, one of the things, too, is that oftentimes that what happens is a, a Jezebel can be 
Um, you know, in, in prayer, a lot of times, there's just because a person is, is called to be an intercessor doesn't mean that they're a Jezebel, but oftentimes, it's just that they'll drop little bombs. Yeah. Like they'll they'll use yeah. they'll yeah. use prayer requests yeah. as 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 gossip mm-hmm. to create dis, dis, discount to, to sow discord among brethren. or or they'll do a little bit of self disclosing like they'll say oh yeah I've got that going on too in my family my husband blah, and they'll they'll kind of set a leading uh, right. situation and then you will give them information about your husband or your wife and then they they've just primed the pump that to get information dis- don't talk I, about I'm your the- mate. Right. to anyone else in public unless it's told you to do it by the Lord God himself. Really, just don't betray your mate. Yeah, That's e- exactly. So they, yeah. Exactly. So, you know, um, they'll, uh, you know, sometimes they'll enlist false witnesses to testify to others. Mm-hmm. They'll say, well, you know, I'm not the only one yeah. who thinks this. Mm-hmm. Ooh, that's dropping. Well, that's off. hard. That's hard for people because you don't know. Who, like I just said before, you don't know who the real enemies are, who the allies are, and who's it, on yeah. God's side. It's, yeah, it's only it's, God knows. And you know, people right. are fickle. They can turn. They, the people because you walk in your soul and not in your spirit, you're bound to go back and forth and dig the rut. And half the time, you're believing lies. And you don't know which half the time it is because you say, "Well, I think, I feel." Well, they don't look like. Well, trying to make a decision about righteousness based on your reasoning or on what you think or feel, and that is where you're going wrong. You've got to walk in the Spirit. Here's the interesting thing. Uh, The Lord showed me the other day, this maybe has nothing to do with this, but it might have everything to do with it. Um, We're all programmed by the enemy in our souls with the generational lies and agreements that the devil has access to you in your particular life, whatever your people agreed with. And so those are all in the snake pit that you're born into, and he uses those lies to program you. Those programs are set to detonate uh, or go off or activate at certain points in time in your life and under certain conditions. I believe that those conditions that trigger the activation of that particular section of the programming are triggered through walking in the soul. When The Bible says when you walk in the spirit, you'll not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. Um, so when people walk in the spirit, this is why God says it's so important to do that. When you walk in the spirit... You are averting that you're going down the right path. You're not going down the option, the road that will lead to the detonation or the activation of that section of the trigger uh, or that of the program that will trigger you into another pattern to fall into the same thing that your dad did or your mom did. And like, for example, um, example, let's just say that your father, um, uh, you know, uh, was taken out at a certain age or had an affair at a certain age or, uh, you know, got uh, deceived um, into uh, divorcing his wife at a certain age. Don't think you are not going to be tra- be targeted at that various age, whether it's through very the same circumstances or a little bit different. Maybe just, maybe your dad was going through the same kind of crisis, midlife crisis, insecurity, job changes, having to move, lose your job suddenly, unexpectedly, whatever. All these things set up at you, put you in a crisis. Where now, if you walk in the spirit, you can avert that pattern from being activated in your life at age, whatever age, probably within five or ten years, if not the same year as your own parent and or the same month. Nothing falls far from the tree. The patterns are pretty activated. So if you're walking in the spirit, you can avoid this program being um, 
activated or triggered in your life. And part of the reason that we're so susceptible to this spirit of Jezebel is because there's a a vulnerability of that's been created. Like, for example, Ahab was particularly susceptible. His father was one evil guy. Mm-hmm. And the influence of evil that... So maybe Ab believed Ab the lie, I can't do anything. I can't do anything right. Yeah, well, he, yeah. So, but but you think of our, uh, our nation, that we have this false gods. Mm-hmm. We have the spirit of Baal and murdering of the innocents. Perversion, many, prostitution. Many false gods, mm-hmm. sexual uncleanness. perversion. Uncleanness. Mental stupors. Uh, ho- ho- mixing the gospel of grace homose- with law. Homosexuality. Mm-hmm. The the, uh, the Islamic influence, all this stuff that's this, that's saturating our land. Yeah, as a matter of fact, going back to the story again, where Elijah said, "There's nobody left." God says, "I've reserved seven thousand. That same verse reference comes up again in in Romans chapter eleven, uh, where God's talking to Paul about reserving seven thousand for himself, and God is also saying, "Okay, guys." The remnant, according to the election of grace, will receive salvation. The rest will not. Basically, a spirit of stupor comes upon them. And this opens the door to Jezebel because in our churches in this country, we do not preach the full gospel of Jesus Christ. We say we preach the full gospel. And by that, we think we mean, you know, the baptism of the Holy Spirit and speaking in tongues and baptism with water, blah, blah, blah. But what we, with the gospel of Jesus Christ is the gospel of it is finished. Come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden. You know, my yoke is easy, my burden is light. I will do it. I will carry you. I will never leave you or forsake you. That's the gospel of receiving and then abiding and being and not the one of doing and having to accomplish and, and, and law or works, mixing it with grace, puts God in a position where he has to put a spirit of stupor upon people, which then again makes the, their lives um, vulnerable to going back to Jezebel, going back to the other power source. When you're not with God, you're not with God. You're with the enemy. So what should our response be toward a person that is under this Jezebel spirit? Once we discern it and we recognize right. what's going First on, of all, yeah. you talked about yeah. Forgiving them, yeah, because it's not the person; it's the spirit. Well, let me give you a quick thanks. That's a good question, and that's a good way to wrap it up. Okay, first of all, you have to identify the pattern, the plot. You have to ask. Your eyes need to be open so you see it yourself. Then you take um, you take that revelation from Jesus Christ, and you humble yourself. You repent. You cast down blindness and pride. Um, you cast down all the things that you thought you thought about yourself, and you let the Lord God show you the truth. The lie that fear has been telling you, fear or guilt or shame. or you, you identify the pattern, the agreement that was made with fear or insecurity or the lie, whatever lies there. You ask the Lord Jesus, he said, my sheep know my voice. So you sit down and say, Lord, what are the lies I'm believing? Take me back to the original place where I came into agreement with that. Show me the patterns in my bloodline where this spirit of Jezebel has been plotting against our, our bloodline, our, our family for generations. Um, and, and you're going to see this. If you're of royal descent, you're going to have it. No, no, no doubt about it. It actually flows down royal bloodlines. And then you say, Lord, I 
cancel out every agreement I've made with this spirit of Jezebel or power seeking or even being the victim of it. I cancel out my agreements with fear, uh, guilt, shame. I need help. It's up to me. I can't do it. Whatever the lies are. And then say, now, Lord Jesus, Son of God, show me the truth. Who am I? What's the truth you want me to know? And Lord, take me back to the original place where I came into an agreement with the lie. And Lord, show me the truth. Show me who you are, where you, what you were doing, what you want me to know. Because all of the things that have happened to you, have, have the, the Lord knew about every one of them from the foundation of the world. It wasn't that he wasn't there. It wasn't that he was ignorant uh, or this caught him by surprise. He knew absolutely every strategy Satan would ever take against his beloved. And he has been there, although the devil says, where was he? Where was he? Why didn't he do something? He has done something. He's done it and he's doing it right now. The Lord God is doing it to show you that he's faithful. He didn't you know, rescue Elijah immediately. He gave him the cake to eat and he gave him a good nap. And then he sent him on his way and did some other things and used him um, in other places, other ways after that. But God ultimately vindicated Elijah in the day of Mount Carmel and also in the death of, Je- of uh, uh, Jezebel. So you, you, you forgive those people. Release them from your judgment. It's not your, you know, it's not your um, judgment to make. I choose, Lord God, by an act of my will to release and forgive so-and-so for the whatever the crimes they committed against me, against my family, against my life, the things they've, I release them from my judgment. I turn the crimes they've committed over to the high court of heaven. I pray that you give them a deep and holy revelation of your love and your truth, salvation, and that you would, Lord God, in this moment, um, restore the human being back to take away the blindness from them, judge our enemy, which is Satan, the devil, Jezebel, her hordes, You, Lord God, by the court of heaven, the righteous judge of all the earth that cannot do wrong, judge my enemy and restore unto me everything that's been stolen from me, including my reputation and my honor. And I thank you, Lord God, that you are a faithful God. You have been with me and you continue to protect me. Guys, if you have any more questions, a good place to go is liferecovery.com. Or you can call that website. We'll give you lots of information or truelightchurchmn.org truelightchurchmn.org or liferecovery.com. There's lots and lots of stuff that we can talk to you about. There's phone numbers and all kinds of things. Nobody had a question today, but I think we talked too fast. Nobody could actually get a word in edgewise, honey. Well, we covered it. We were going to go one hour. We went two. We just yeah. went on a roll here. But, yeah. Uh, yeah. We've, uh, I think we covered it pretty well, but if you have more questions, we're probably going to, I'm hoping I will put out a prayer against the Spirit of Jezebel on our website at some point before I die <laughs> in the next <laughs> I got a lot of projects but hopefully we'll get that one done and so you can read that in the blog or something because we might want to even together as a blog yeah well thanks for listening today yes God bless you pass this on God bless you may you just enjoy the your freedom the in Jesus you're okay guys be okay with being okay amen, amen. go with Jesus I have an emergency what is your location 